right, everyone. Welcome into Without a Mic podcast, episode 26. Um, it has been a crazy week, but we are here. We're talking industry updates this week. This is the podcast where we do all things TV, movies, live topics, old movies, new movies, TV shows. Um, this is this is a little bit overdue. We haven't done an industry updates for a while, so we've got a lot of stuff um, for you guys this week. So this is my co-host, Spencer Cook. I'm Roger Baugh. Dude, there's a lot of updates going on right now. <laughs> there's a lot. I mean, the fact that we haven't talked about industry updates, which is kind of crazy because like, I think January, February, March, we did a lot of industry updates when the least amount of stuff mm-hmm. was happening. I know they had the big award shows during that time, but the least amount of right. TV shows and films were coming out. And now the, the most amount of TV shows and films are coming out. And we haven't discussed it, so there's quite a bit of news to go through. So I say we just jump right into it. Does that work? Yeah, let's do it. I just wanted to say our last industry updates was uh, released on April 27th. It was episode 20. So <sighs> we are a full, uh, about a month and change since our last industry Don't, updates. You just made so. me feel disgusting that it's been a month and a half since we've done one of these. So this will be good. Well, I, well, I the, think... The, like you. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I... I was just going to say we hit, kind of hit that lull in the spring where it was like March, April, where there wasn't a lot of stuff coming out. And so it was easier to do more industry updates. But once stuff started coming out, we had content to cover. And now, you know, it's just kind of come to the point where we got to do it. Yeah, I agree. Well, I got a, a lot on the plate. I say, I, you know, I'll go through one at a time. I'll kind of dive into that one topic and then we can kind of discuss it. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I feel like as much as we don't want to talk about it, I think we need to address kind of our thoughts on the Johnny Depp case. So Johnny Depp, and I'm going to say this for anybody who's listening, quote unquote, won the trial. Uh, He technically didn't win, but Mm -hmm. he did get the the better end of the the deal, I guess you can say. So Johnny Depp was, um, so Amber Heard was, you know, defamed as well as Johnny Depp, but he got kind of the better end of the deal. Uh, my qu- my mm-hmm. curiosity is a you know what's next for Amber Heard and b will Johnny Depp make a Hollywood comeback? But what are your thoughts with the whole Johnny Depp situation? Yeah, I, I agree with what you said. I think he got the better end of the deal. I don't think this was necessarily like a definitive win lose situation. Um, as far as I think the more interesting thing you know now that it's kind of over, you know, there's kind of been some quote unquote highlights of the trial, which you can go look up online. But um, I have started seeing news clips, uh, or news tidbits sort of about their futures. And I think it's definitely brighter for Johnny Depp. You know, I've seen um, there has been some some rumblings of him potentially returning for a sixth Pirates of the Caribbean movie, um, which uh, someone involved in that process mentioned it was a possibility. Um, and uh, for Amber Heard, I know that it's getting worse for her. Um, I think her biggest sort of she's not that big of a of a name in the in the movie industry. You know, Johnny Depp is way bigger of a of a star. Um, But her biggest sort of role right now has been in Aquaman. And it it seems like that's that's diminishing quickly, if not gone already. So um, I don't think she really has much going for her going forward at the moment. And I think Johnny Depp has a lot more potential right now. But there's nothing really confirmed with him going forward. So. It'll be interesting to see, but I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's anything that he would potentially be shut out for going forward. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm curious because I know during the trial, he he stated bluntly that he'll never return to Pirates because of the way that Disney handled that situation. Mm -hmm. Once again, I actually don't think Johnny Depp or Disney could have done anything different in that circumstance because Johnny Depp, A, didn't have a case to prove at that point. And then Disney, you know, what are you going to do, right? Right. You don't know the circumstance. You don't want to take any type of accusation lightly, you know, and as much as they might have Mm -hmm. trusted Johnny Depp and whatever the case may be, we still don't technically know like the ins and outs because the trial was so up and down. But at that circuit, at that situation or at that point in time, I mean, I don't expect Disney to do anything different. I would love to Mm -hmm. see him as Captain Jack Sparrow. I just don't know what the reality of that is. And then in Amber Heard's case, you know, I mean, she, at the beginning of the the trial, and I remember we talked about this. I, you know, mm-hmm. I initially I was like, hey, you know, as much as I love Johnny Depp, I have to look at this this case as a complete, you know, non bias thought process. And there was there, they had a nasty relationship, and that's something that's been proven over right. the six week trial at least. But I will say, over the six week trial, Amber Heard kind of she made herself. You know, she put herself in an interesting situation with all the circumstances with the witnesses and her lawyers and her responses and everything. And so, once again, I still think the trial was messy. I think the relationship was messy. But Johnny Depp getting kind of the better end of the deal, I think he will be back in Hollywood. I honestly don't know if it's going to be in these big, big roles starting out. Mm -hmm. But I think he's going to be welcomed back a lot quicker, at least right now, than Amber Heard. But. Yeah, I'm, I, to be honest, I think there's a side of me that's a little bit sad that the situation's over because it was entertaining, but then there's that other half of me that's actually very happy it's done because it was just kind of flooding the entire internet, and that was the only film update that people cared about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we have our Without a Mic Instagram channel, and you know, we go through and we post to the story and stuff about news updates, and I know for a couple weeks there so much of it was that trial and it was like yeah you know the trial's a big it's 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 tied to hollywood but it's not about hollywood per se and so like you said sometimes you get that crossover where something like this happens and so it was just a big it was a big deal because it was johnny depp and amber heard but if two random people had this happen to them nobody would care so it's like yeah you know it's just a high profile trial and it and it draws a lot of eyes and so it was you know obviously televised and all that stuff so it's it's nice to have it over with and sort of hopefully go back to more, you know, you know, movie related content. So. I agree. And you know, on that note, let's go to more movie related content. So Deadpool three got an update hey. uh, for any for any Deadpool fans. Um, <laughs> so the two writers, uh, I, I I don't have their names off the top of my head, so that's going to bother me. But the two main writers that were credited for Deadpool and Deadpool two, who are returning for Deadpool three. Uh, they stated that the film will be rated R even under the supervision of Disney, and they they said that Disney mm-hmm. supports their vision completely. They don't want to yep. change anything. I've seen that too. They said the one thing that might be like the only thing that they might have to tread lightly on is they said that they might have some jokes that they have to change the verbiage on, or that they have to might like they might have to modify a little bit. But they didn't express any concern. They said that it's it's going to be you know quote unquote a thrill to be a part of the MCU. And, you know, make jokes with a whole new cast of people. And the fact that Ryan Reynolds is in the writing room, Sean Levy is the director who I admire quite a bit. If you like Stranger Things, Free Guy, The Atom Project, I mean, he's done great, especially as of late. So what are your thoughts on Deadpool 3? You got some high hopes? 
Yeah, I mean, it's as you can see from the poster, it's from the studio that brought you the hit, Thor The Dark World. So, you know, we can only expect great things from a studio that's put out such a prestigious movie. Um, <laughs> Worst movie of the MCU, arguably. Dude, it's the best. You know, it's it's on the Deadpool poster. It must be true. So, um, no, I, I, think, I think this movie has the potential. You know, obviously Deadpool has broken records for an R-rated movie. Um, a lot of people, there's a cult following for this character in, in particular. And so to bring it into the MCU, to like, I think you made a great point, giving it so much ammo to make fun of the rest of the MCU. Um, there's so many strange and crazy Deadpool stories in the comics. You know, my personal favorite is Deadpool kills the Marvel universe where he literally murders every single person in the MCU. And then he dates death at the end. Um, just stuff like that. It's like now you can actually explore some of that weird stuff. Um, so I think I think it's going to be a smash hit, and we've only seen um, like an R-rated superhero movie do well. I can't really think of one that hasn't done well, um, other than maybe the first Suicide Squad. But the, was that PG? Th- that was PG. No, it was PG thirteen. The yeah. latest Suicide Squad. The latest Suicide Squad was R. Logan was R, and then the th- the first two Deadpool's, and now this one are rated R. So I think all of those have done fairly well. I I don't think there's a miss there. So I think this is just a slam dunk, and you know, like you said, bringing back all the people that made the first two great, it's just going to propel this one forward. So yeah, I'm excited and, for that. And to your point about you know rated R superhero films doing well, even the Batman was writing that border. You know, it was writing that border of being rated R. Yeah. And, you know, it ended up being PG-13, mm-hmm. but it definitely had aspects of being rated R. And, you know, I, I saw this because I made a, a film update on TikTok about it. And many people were like, ah, oh, Disney ruins everything. It's like, yeah, I'm sure there are things that you're not happy about in regards to Disney. But Disney only amplifies what you can do because they are the biggest one of, you know, if not the biggest film company of all time. You know, like they, they are mm-hmm. so massive and they have so much leverage and to be frank, so much money that you could do a lot. And, you know, if you give that type of funding and that type of vision to Deadpool and the type of film that they are and the story and the creativity and the originality, I honestly think it's only going to be good for Deadpool. I know many people are a little bit worried, but I think with Ryan Reynolds in your corner, Disney giving you the green light to a rated R film and Sean Levy as the director, I think only good things are going to come from this film. And uh, it, has an expe- it has an expectation of coming out in 2024, so I'm excited to see what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else regarding Deadpool? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, this, is, this isn't a huge surprise that they were going to green light it for an R rating because they've already moved in that direction. You know, um, Moon Knight was a TV-14 rated show. And oh, I did so, not know that. Yep, yeah, it's TV-14. It, it does have some pretty graphic moments in it. Um, and then they've also greenlit uh, a renewal of the Daredevil show, which was also TV-14 on Netflix. And I believe it will be continuing that trend. So they've already done two original series. Well, they've done one and they will be doing another. That will probably keep that TV-14 rating. So I wouldn't be surprised if they you know, do more shows like that, which is heading towards more mature audiences because... Let's be honest, Disney's very like family geared, but you know, and we've talked about this, HBO Max, Apple TV Plus, Amazon, you know, they're putting out these shows. They have, you know, Game of Thrones and The Boys and, you know, some of these more mature shows. And so I think Disney wants to get in and tap into that market because 
yeah, Disney Plus is great for families, but why not appeal to larger audiences and get the adults involved? So I don't, I don't see why they would slow down anytime soon with more mature content. I think it will mainly be family content, but you know, I think with that sort of drawing audiences right now, I think they're going to definitely get into it. Yeah, I mean, I think their purchase of Fox, of you know, mm-hmm. of Lucasfilm, like they they've purchased these companies that were not super kid friendly. You know, these were very no. much, you know, teenager, adult friendly studios that made, you know, great content for all ages, not just kids. You know, and Disney is mm-hmm. more kid oriented, but I think to your, you know, point, I think they're trying to compete and they don't necessarily need to compete because yeah. they are at the top of the game. You know, I think if you look at everything in all aspects, you know, with what they are doing with Star Wars, which we will get to that in a second, because there's a lot of Star Wars updates. They are they they don't have this real competition, but I think they want to stay on top. And so they're continuously innovating by saying, hey, we can't continue to make content for ages 14 and under. You know, we need to make content that appeals to our audiences that grew up with us. They liked our content when they were kids and now they're adults or the parents who, you know, were younger, you know, in their 20s, 15 years ago. And now they want some more mature content like that is the type of progression that Disney's making while keeping all the kid friendly content because they're not moving away from that. They still have these original animated films, these original films coming out and even TV series that are very kid oriented. But I think transitioning Mm -hmm. into kind of a balance is very smart on their end from a business standpoint. Yeah. And I mean, this is the opposite of what Netflix has done, right? Because Netflix has sort of thrown out a bunch of mature content and then they just kind of sat back and said, well, you know, we're Netflix, you know, we'll be fine. And uh, they didn't adapt and they didn't, you know, try to change based on how things were going. And Disney is, you know, obviously way more profitable and successful than Netflix on many levels, but they are not content to sit there and just be like, yeah, we own the family shows and Marvel and Star Wars and we're content with that. And that's why they went out and bought Fox and that's why they're aggressive. And regardless of how you feel about their take on different things, you know, they're, I think it's a smart business move to try to stay relevant in a increasingly competitive industry. Um, and I mean, if you look at it, like Amazon is not an entertainment company and Apple is, you know, they make, electronics is what they're known for, but they're not necessarily an entertainment company. And so for them and Disney, who's Disney is an entertainment company, but they've recently gotten to streaming for those companies to be arguably the most aggressive with their providing new content. That's just because they're smart businesses. So I agree with that. They're not, they're not like a one trick pony, like Hulu or Netflix. They're, they've got other assets, but they're definitely putting money into this because it's, it's profitable and they're trying to stay relevant. Yes. And on that note, I'm going to transition over to Netflix because I don't know if they had a day, like a Netflix day or something, but they released a lot of trailers today. Okay. So I Mm -hmm. I was like, something had to have happened because we got a trailer for Sandman, Wednesday Adams, Cabinet of Curiosities and Resident Evil among others. But I know those were Mm -hmm. big names. So what were you, what were your, you know, first impressions for each of those trailers? You know, I was going to mention this about, two minutes ago, but I'm glad I waited. And I was going to say, you know, Netflix just released all these trailers and none of them looked particularly interesting. Like I'm intrigued by one and I'm intrigued by one. Well, intriguing and interesting are two different things. Okay. And I, I think, I think, and not to say that they look horrible or anything, but I just don't think there's anything there that gets like, if I didn't have Netflix, I wouldn't get Netflix for any of these shows Mm. is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, like we've, 
there's actually been a lot of content and news released this week. Uh, like Amazon released information that Lord of the Rings uh, series is greenlit for five seasons. I had no. that on my list. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I, sorry, I stole your thunder. But no, like, you're good. For, for me, that is like if I love Lord of the Rings and I think it's going to be good, I'm like, oh, I'm signing up with Amazon long term for that. You know, like get me in on that. But for, with Netflix, it's like Sandman, you know, yeah, Mark Hamill's going to be in it. But like, that's not going to get me to sign up for Netflix or or get me super excited. A, a lot of it is, I think, used a good word, intriguing. It's like, oh, that's intriguing. Um, I did see there's the Midnight Club, which is um, a show that's done by the people who did Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. Oh, yeah, I did so see that. So that one, that was the only one that I personally found intriguing. Um, but most of these, I think, they look intriguing. But you know, I don't think any of them has like got me super excited for them, um, to be honest. And I think that's kind of Netflix's brand now. It's like, oh, that's intriguing, but I'm not, you know, up in arms to sign up for Netflix because this show's coming out. Yeah, I would say the one, the one that really caught my attention, and it's only because I, I looked it up months ago, and I, you know, because I did a my prediction for top ten TV shows that are coming out in 2022. Oh right. And I'm a big fan of Guillermo del Toro. I think his his outlook on on right. film and his saturation of color is so interesting. Um, I highly recommend Nightmare Alley, which is his latest film if you haven't seen it. But Netflix has proven one thing that's been consistent, and I will say they're they're horror. TV series tend to be more story oriented and not just like cheap thrills. So the, like Haunting of Hill House has been, was great. You know, Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan, but I know many considered it to be a, an enjoyable show. And so Cabinet of Curiosities is kind of following this trend where it's almost like an American right. horror story. You know, it's, an, it's a horror anthology series. So they have these separate stories each episode. Um, and it's something that intrigues me only because of Guillermo del Toro. If it wasn't Guillermo del Toro behind it, I'd say, all right, that looks intriguing to, you know, what you were saying. And apart from that, like Wednesday Adams, I'm like, oh yeah, Jenna Ortega, who's one of the, you know, more bright young stars that are, you know, as, you know, as a young actress, she's what I'm intrigued mm -hmm. by, not the show. Sandman, Mark Hamill is what I'm intrigued by, not the show. Resident Evil, I'm not, not intrigued even the by main at character. all. <laughs> you know? No. So to your point, like there's nothing there that is going to pull me in there. You know, my brother and I talked about this last week and I think you and I have talked about this, like their only money grab right now. And I would say there are two of them. Their only two money grabs are Stranger Things and Bridgerton. And apart from that, yes. like they don't have anything else that's blowing people's minds. Ozark just ended. Ozark kind of took too long of a break to even intrigue people enough. I think people are like, oh, that's back. Okay, cool. I guess I'll watch it. Whereas Stranger Things was so, so massive that even after a three-year mm -hmm. break, people were dying to get, you know, at the helm of that. So Netflix is kind of, they're, they're trying, they're getting a little bit more innovative, but I think they're still, they're digging out of the hole that they were already in <laughs> rather than being, <laughs> you know, um, instead of being proactive, they're being reactive. And I think that's kind right. of their problem where many other streaming platforms are just being proactive. Apple TV is probably the most proactive that I've seen Absolutely. anybody, you know, with HBO very close behind. So I think that's mm -hmm. the problem that they've run into. Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, you know, just looking at sort of this, the stuff that's coming out from other, you know, the boys season three just dropped. I've heard nothing but great things about that. You know, that's Amazon's cash cow. That's one of their biggest shows. Lord of the Rings is going to be one of their biggest shows. You know, they're, the funny thing is it's like, if, 
now that Netflix is sort of getting, like seeing all these other shows come out, like if you want to get in that game, you got to start and it's going to come out in two years, right? You know, you have to get in, you have to find a story and you have to get into contracts and then you have to outbid everyone and then you have to start producing it and then you have to write the script and then find the actors. And now it's two years later and, and you know, all these other shows are on season two and three. People are already hooked. People are already paying for it. So, you know, that's the danger of being reactive in a, in a, in an industry like this is because, you know, they're not telling everyone what they have coming out. It just drops. And then you're like, oh, wow, like get me in on that. And Netflix has to scramble and, and catch up. So I think that's like you said, they really only have two major shows. The only one other one I could see um, that could draw a crowd is Squid Game because that mm-hmm. did do super well. But and that has been greenlit for a season two. But that's not a Netflix original show. It was bought by Netflix. Exactly. So. Um, to your point, yeah, the only two Netflix original shows that are actually doing really well, Stranger Things and Bridgerton. So, well, I think and they're in ending Stranger Th- Stranger Things after this season, after the next season. So it's like, yeah, Bridgerton will go for a couple seasons, but this is it's on its it's downhill. Well, so one thing that I think is intriguing to think about is Netflix. They obviously started this whole streaming game back in the day. Mm -hmm. And so they've never actually had to experience the whole being proactive because they were the first ones to ever do it. So they were kind of able to take their time and able to relax and kind of sit back. Whereas Disney Plus, Apple TV, Hulu, HBO Max, you know, all these other streaming platforms always were the the second in line so they're always trying to be proactive to say you know Mm -hmm. we're the best we're the best whereas netflix started so they always had this kind of entitlement to being number one and i think that's been their downfall is every other streaming platform is incredibly hungry to provide the best Mm -hmm. possible content and netflix is like well we've been rich for so long why do we need to do anything more than what we're doing and now they're starting now after being in that hole for so long they're like oh my god we are not number one anymore. We don't have the best content. We don't have these shows that people are dying to watch over and over. We only have a couple of them. And to your point, like I think there are shows like Peaky Blinders. I think there are shows like Ozark. You know, there are shows that you, there are great shows that are just not culturally like gifted, like Stranger Things and Bridgerton. Right. They're great shows, but they're not. You know, for lack of a better phrase, they they don't have these cult followings like Stranger Things and Bridgerton, as do these other shows on other platforms that continue to develop. You know, people are already mm-hmm. aching for Euphoria. People are aching for The Boys. People are aching for all these other shows on other platforms. Um, and that kind of leads me into Ted Lasso, because I know Ted Lasso is one of those shows. Um, and I, I don't know if this is going to disappoint you or not, but actor uh, Brett Goldstein, um, who's one of the yeah, actors from the show, he says that season three is being written as the final season. So what are your thoughts, man? No. Uh, I knew they were doing a season three. Um, you know, I have this theory that um, you should always end a show a season early than a season too late. And so, you know, Ted Lasso, as much as I love that show, um, and I think it's one of the best comedy shows of all time, it's one of the most um, inspiring shows and like and feel good and... Um, it's such a unique feel, but I can see how it could get kind of just diluted with keeping it going. So I'm actually, I'm actually okay with that because I think where they are when season two ended, I think they probably have enough for one fantastic final season and then they'll just end it. 
Um, but I know there's so many shows out there that have gone an extra season or more and they get diluted and they disappoint fans. And I think, um, like I would, I think less is more when it comes to TV shows. Um, we won't go into this, but I actually think Kenobi would have benefited from having less episodes because I feel like it's a little bit diluted. Um, and so I think if you just sort of simplify to intensify, it will be a lot more, it'll be a lot better. But of course, you know, there's the business side of we want people to watch, you know, episode after episode. But in Ted Lasso's case, um, I'm actually pretty okay with that. Um, yeah, I'm, and from I'm a comedic for that standpoint, you know, if you're, if you're a comedy slash wholesome TV show, you don't really have the firepower to continue expanding this universe or this world as much as a, maybe a drama, horror, and action, and adventure. That's a little bit different. But I will say, I, I completely mm-hmm. agree to your point. I, I would much rather there be shows where I am aching for a new season, but I don't get it because that, that means that I will always think highly of this show rather than getting a Game yeah. of Thrones situation, you know, getting these, these circumstances where you're left disappointed, which is my case with Ozark. I just barely wrapped up Ozark this past week. And it ended on such a, a note that didn't feel right. And I was like, man, this, this series, in my opinion, would go down as top five all time on Netflix. And the last episode mainly, but last season a bit, just kind of turned me off. So I, I completely agree. I think I would much rather have a season two, you know, a season not enough than a season too much. So that way you leave mm-hmm. them, you know, with this thrill. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of my thought there. I do want to talk about Star Wars because there's a lot going on. So bear with me because I'm going to go through these real quick. And then I want to hear your thoughts because Star Wars had a celebration right before the release right. of Obi-Wan um, to pretty much promote the series. Um, and here's kind of what they released, at least the big announcements. So Mandalorian season three had a teaser that was shown. Uh, it prompted the entire crowd and anybody who is available um, to show that it's probably going to be the best season yet, at least according to what that was shown. And season four is currently right. already in the works. So it's already being written, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, Obi-Wan is close to confirming a season two. Now, this was not in the works originally, but because of it being Disney Plus's biggest show of all time, it's definitely on the radar um, and the show, actually, I, I just learned this, the show included a Vader movement specialist on set. So to make sure that Darth Vader moved according to the original character, which I highly admire. Yeah. Um, Ian McDermott, so Chancellor Palpatine, the Sith, or the Emperor, um, he's intrigued by a Palpatine prequel series. So, and Tom Hiddleston has been attached to that project as a rumor. So that would be intriguing to me. And on that same note, Hayden Christensen is urging for a Darth Vader series to show his development as uh, Vader coming into power. Um, of course, we got the Andor trailer, uh, which is the first Star Wars show to not utilize stagecraft or an otherwise known as the volume, so that big LED mm-hmm. um, special effects room. We got an Ashoka first look. Star Wars skeleton crew was announced, which is gonna have Jude Law as the main focal point character, and John Watts will be directing, who did all the Spider-Man films in the MCU. And then last but not least, Harrison Ford showed up for a different reason than Star Wars, but to show the first look for Indiana Jones 5. So a lot going on with Star Wars, but I want to get your initial thought to everything going on and what excites you most. Whew. Uh, yeah, I think but the thing that stands out to me first is um, I think the most, I think the most well done content that Disney has done with Star Wars and original series has been The Mandalorian. 
Um, it's making so much money that they had to basically cut off half of uh, the Book of Boba Fett to continue that story. <laughs> Spoiler so, alert. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for the Kenobi episode where it just cuts to the Mandalorian as a toddler and we get an episode <laughs> or two of that. But um, We see Grogu on set. Yeah, well, I, I honestly wasn't sure. When they opened the Kenobi show with the Jedi Temple scene, I was like, maybe we'll see a little Grogu oh, here. Man. You know, that might... I, I didn't think they should have but i was i was like i wouldn't put it past him to throw that in there but no i think the mandalorian is is um i think the reason that it's doing so well is because it's it's got and this is what made rogue one so good it's got original characters that they're telling a story with that's not beholden to anything else um and it's kind of taken on its own aura now to where they're starting to bend other things to accommodate that but the the series itself seasons one and two has brought in some really cool things they've been able to explore the lore they have characters that they brought in luke and ahsoka and you know different different people um but they've they've i don't feel like they've really forced those characters in i feel like it felt natural and they were in there just enough to provide to boost it but not enough to dilute it and so I think if they're saying the next season is, is the best one, I think that's entirely possible. Um, all these other shows, you know, Andor, um, Skeleton Crew, I'll be interested to see what they do with those. Um, I, I am int- intrigued by Andor. Um, I think Rogue One is one of the best things that's ever been done in the Star Wars universe. Um, it told an incredible story with characters that people didn't really have any context for and it was able to provide the ending that it did and it felt perfect and it felt meaningful and it felt grandiose and so i think with with star wars like anything that sort of takes a new character you know i'm a little bit wary of these like let's keep telling stories about x y and z like palpatine origin story i feel like it's going to be full of fan service and it's going to dilute the story like you know a qui-gon origin story or a qui-gon show or a mace windu show like these all just feel like it's going to be diluted down to, okay, we have to include, you know, all these people to make it feel like it's Star Wars. But really what I personally enjoy is, is the, you know, what I hope Andor is, what I think Rogue One was, what the Mandalorian has been, which is original characters that can be true to a great story without any sort of compromise. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that's, that's honestly my thoughts, but, you know, obviously Star Wars is a, probably the biggest most valuable franchise of all time at this point and so of course they're going to keep exploring it i'm i would like to see a darth vader origin story because we've only ever seen the implications of darth vader we've never seen the reality of darth vader and if you haven't seen the latest episode of kenobi i feel like it was still implications of vader like even though there were some moments in there but you know you're starting to see a little bit of it there was that scene in rogue one but i feel like a honestly i think it should be rated r there should be a rated r Darth Vader, they never do that, but it should be a rated R Darth Vader origin series and just him like committing genocide and like murdering people and like just completely ruthlessly evil like that's that that we assume him to be because of how he's presented, but that we've never seen. So, you know, that'd be my wish, but I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I don't d- think it'll be rated R, but I think it will happen. <laughs> If, if they do a Darth Vader series, it has to be darker. You know, he's a darker character. He's not this hopeful, mm-hmm. lighthearted character. I know that, you know, obviously in the end, you know, his, he kind of has a change of character. But I think you nailed it on the head. I think the reason why Mandalorian 
is so great is the only thing that the writers have to worry about is the timeline. That's it. Like they have to worry, mm-hmm. hey, you know, w- are we affecting anything in the timeline? Are we crossing paths with anything? But they don't they don't have to worry about previous character lore or even, you know, character lore that's going to happen after this period of time. They just worry about this character that's brand new, this story that's brand new, and unfortunately because you know Boba Fett we don't know a ton about that character so they kind of had a similar opportunity but I felt like they still were like well you know he's seen here this is all we can provide and they did a really great introduction with the sand people and the way that he built this kind of persona and this character because of the sand people but then they went into a well we don't know what to talk about next so let's let's utilize this other original character that everybody loves and so I completely agree. I think Mandalorian is great because of that. I think Andor will be phenomenal because it's going off of a story that was really kind of just made up. They didn't have to base anything off of anything besides, hey, this we have this time period to play with. So let's do whatever we want with this time period. And now they can do the same thing as a prequel with Andor. So I'm excited for that one. I, I do like John Watts. I think he's done a great job with Spider-Man. I, mm-hmm. I hate that he backed out on Fantastic Four, but I think that he's going to do a good job, and Jude Law is great. You know, he's a great actor. So there's a lot of good things coming. I do think, you know, in regards to Obi-Wan, and like you said, we're not going to touch basis on this too long, but I will say on the basis of Obi-Wan, I think we're finally about to, to flip the script. I mean, it's only a six-season or a six-episode season. So since we just had episode three, I think we're going to start getting a little bit more intensity, a little bit more kind of, uh, I don't know, improvement in the in the, in the the writing. I do think at towards the end of episode three, we saw a little bit more of improvement and a little bit more of a kind of just character interaction the way that we wanted to. Uh, but I think there's a lot to, to watch, so I'm intrigued by that. So I have to ask you as we kind of wrap up, because it's been a while, what what films and TV shows would you recommend um, people to watch? Uh, whew. Well, probably a lot of the same ones that you would and that you've been watching. Um, obviously, Stranger Things is probably with the biggest show out right now, aside from Kenobi. Um, they dropped on the same day, and so I have finished both. Or I'm caught up with Kenobi, and I've watched all of Stranger Things Part 1. Uh, we'll be doing a review on that next week. Um, I'm excited to talk about that with you, um, but I don't really, uh, so I'd say watch Stranger Things. I would recommend watch it. If you haven't seen Stranger Things and you're kind of hoping for a little bit more darker, like mature content, I think you would actually enjoy this season. I think it took that step um, into a little bit more of a darker, more serious show. Um, I feel like it's following sort of the trend of Harry Potter where it starts off with these kids and it's kind of just like a, a kind of a little bit of a silly kid show and then as they get older, the story gets you know more mature with them. So um, if you haven't really liked Stranger Things because it seemed a little bit too childish and a little bit too silly, you might actually enjoy where this, sh- this season has taken it. Um, Kenobi, obviously, um, watching that, I will say real quick, I haven't been super impressed with the show so far. Um, I've also, we, we reviewed Top Gun Maverick. That's the number one movie in the world right now. If you're looking for a phenomenal theater experience, Highly, highly, highly recommend Top Gun Maverick. Um, even Spencer, who's not a massive fan of Tom Cruise in general, uh, you know, really enjoyed it. And that's actually what I've heard from other people as well. They're like, not really a Tom Cruise guy, but it was really good. So um, for your theater experience, I would say Top Gun. 
if you want a massive binge, Stranger Things, and then if you want sort of a weekly episode thing, Obi-Wan Kenobi is probably the way to go right now. I love it. I love it. I will say a quick note on Stranger Things because I agree. I think that's the show to watch. Uh, the creators just mm-hmm. barely stated, I think today, that uh, the finale, which is two hours and 19 minutes long, um, has more special effects than all of season three combined. So just that episode. <laughs> and they, they said that it was yep, it's, uh, it was impossible what they wanted to do, but they had to do it and it needed as much special effects as possible. So I am so fascinated by what that's going to entail. I'd have no idea. But I will say Stranger Things season four is definitely the show to watch. If you are a Star Wars fan of any type, I would say follow Obi-Wan. I think there have been some highs and some lows. There's definitely a little bit of frustration with with character, but I think as the show goes on, I hope that there's this kind of overarching character arc at the end of the show that we can reflect on and say, okay, there were moments that were understandable, but then there are you know circumstances that are a little bit bothering. Uh, Top Gun is definitely the, sh- the movie to watch, um, hands mm-hmm. down. Like Roger said, I'm not a Tom Cruise fan. I think this is Tom Cruise's best film that he's ever made. It's showing that financially. Uh, it's the highest grossing mm-hmm. film domestically of his career. It was the highest film ever um, on opening weekend for his career. So it has been a great film emotionally on every aspect. If you're a Miles Teller fan, which I am, he does a great job. I think it's top three yep. best performances he's ever given. And then one other show, I would say, if, just just if you're a murder mystery fan... Under the Banner of Heaven just wrapped up with its final episode released on Hulu. And so Andrew Garfield, he does a great job. He plays a Mormon detective who um, kind of has to figure out what he wants to choose, you know, between this incredibly complicated case that he's working on and the values that he kind of holds close to himself. So I would say Stranger Things Season 4 is number one, absolutely. Obi-Wan, if you're a fan of Star Wars, Under the Banner of Heaven, if you need a little bit of crime mystery, and Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, there's, we're gearing up for a lot of stuff coming up in the next month specifically. Next two months particularly, we're in full summer swing. So there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up. We're going to try to keep you guys updated on everything that's coming out that's noteworthy. If there's anything that you want us to cover, anything you want to hear our thoughts on, any updates we missed, let us know. Uh, we're on Instagram and wherever you find podcasts. Yeah, so and I, much, I so will much. say one thing. Oh, yeah, one last thing. I, I, I'm going to toot our horn a little bit. Uh, Roger does a great job on the, the Without a Mic podcast Instagram page on the type of updates on our stories. So if you want just studio updates, actor updates, movie updates, TV show updates that are very interesting, very rare, and these are very in the moment and day of, we share those constantly. Uh, big props to Roger because he's always on top of it. So if you want these day-to-day news, I highly recommend following the Instagram page. However, we will do our absolute best if there's anything noteworthy that we will mention it on our weekly basis. So appreciate everybody listening. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one.